Oh God. What do you oh, think? Oh God. Sonny? I'm pe- I'm peeking. I think I'm That's, peeking. You're talking too loud. <laughs> you're talking too loud. Hello and welcome to Talking Too Loud with Chris Savage. I'm your host, Chris Savage. I'm very excited that you're here. This is the show that we're going to be talking to entrepreneurs, creative thinkers, people who have solved big, hard problems, people who are tackling big, hard problems. I'm told I talk too loud when I get too excited, and this is a show about exploring those things that get me talking loud. I'm joined by my co-host and podcast expert, Sylvie LeBeau. Now I'm a co-host. Uh-oh. Yeah, actually, I guess you're not technically. So I'm joined by someone. Her name... I'll I'll take the promotion. Her her name is Sylvie LeBeau. Welcome, Sylvie. Thanks for being here. So excited to be here, talking too loud, with you, near you, for you. What's up? How are you? I'm good, you know, uh, making the most of it. I'm currently... (laughs) We're currently inside of my basement, which has been converted into a podcast studio. Yeah. And... uh, (laughs) It is. It's going well. You and I. It's fun to be working with you, although we've never met in person. Never, never have I ever met you in person. Um, great question. Maybe like in twenty twenty one. Yeah, twenty twenty one. Well, yeah, that'll be that'll be good. So, yeah, what what's what's got you talking too loud? What 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 are you excited about right now, Sylvie? I'm super excited about, let's see, I'm looking, I'm looking around my room to see if I have any new gadgets, no new gadgets, but I'm excited about chicken thighs. Have I told you how they're saving, they're saving me one day at a time? Chicken thighs. You can no, do so I much. I haven't heard that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I snorted. Whoa, I got a snort. I guess it's snorting too loud with Sylvie LeBeau. Here we are. <laughs> Sometimes that happens when I get excited, I snort. <laughs> Clearly. Yeah, I, I also enjoy chicken thighs. I They're very hard to screw up on the grill, especially bone-in, skin-on. You start skin side down. You that's right. You can accept right. the heat. You can accept the heat. That's one of the things that people don't realize. That's Let it go for fucking a, right. Till it's sizzling. Ooh, boom. Yes. Flip it over the last second. Throw that <laughs> um, meat thermometer in there, 165. You're done. Pull it off. Hard to is screw up. Is this a cooking podcast? I don't know. Well, today, it kind of is. I'm very excited. I'm very excited about our first guest. Yes, our first guest. Tell us. Oh, is that not a podcast thing? I thought you were like <laughs> doing a handoff. I was. <laughs> okay, so our first guest we're talking too loud is Joanne Chang. Joanne is the owner of Flower Bakery and Myers and Chang. She's a, an amazing restaurateur. She's a James Beard award-winning pastry chef. She has a ton of books that she's put out there that are incredible. And it was super fun to sit down with her and hear how she is evolving and pivoting and dealing with this pandemic. Let's jump into it. I've been a fan of Flower Bakery for a long time and Myers and Chang and actually watching the way you have navigated this incredibly huge pandemic challenge has been incredibly inspiring to me. Um, And I know it's been inspiring to others. I ordered from Flower... I think probably the first time during the pandemic was like a month ago, maybe a little bit more. I was just so impressed with like every aspect of how the food came, how it was double packaged, all the stickers, all the stuff. So really, really excited to to have you here today, Joanne. Thanks for joining us. I'm super excited to talk with you as well. I think it's been like a year or so since I last saw you when I came to your pitch fest. 
That's right. Yeah, you came to Pitch Fest. Um, you inspired the crew. You really, I don't know if you, you probably don't even know this, but there was someone at Wistia who is such a big Joanne Chang fan that she burst into tears when she saw you. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yes. I was and not it aware. came up recently, like in Wistia Slack, because people were talking about everything that Flower is doing and like talking about getting delivery. You know, there's a Flower so close to our office. Exactly. And a, a lot of our office went to Flower every day. Like yes. a lot, a lot. Yes. And so when the delivery started to ramp up again um, and the contactless pick, uh, pickup, people started getting it. And Kristen, who's the one who burst into tears, was just like, oh, my God, it feels so good. It feels like normal. It's like normal. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So how, how are you doing right now? Uh, you know, it is it's tough. Honestly, I'm doing I'm doing OK. Uh, my husband and I are navigating it day by day like everybody else. Um you know, they say that there are stages of grief, and I think we kind of have gone through all of them. Uh, we we shut down all of the bakeries and the restaurant on March 18th. And at that time, I think we thought we were going to shut down for about two and a half, three weeks. Uh, in fact, I remember we went and cleaned out everything that was perishable, and we left things that had an early April expiration date, thinking, we'll be back. We're going to yeah. come back and use all of this, you know, almond milk or whatever. Um, and then it was, I think it was over a month before we actually reopened, and we still haven't reopened all of the locations. Um, and the biggest challenge has been, uh, well, in the beginning, the biggest challenge was the staff. We have 500 people. We furloughed 490 of them immediately. <sighs> That's tough, and, yeah. Yeah, trying to take care of each of them and making sure that they all either were able to apply for unemployment or if they needed help paying rent. Um, we had a huge number of people who aren't eligible for unemployment. So that's been, continues to be a really big concern. And then now we are focused on them and then also just on the survival of the business. Uh, again, we thought we would come back, everything would go back to normal. And every day that we're open, we realize that normal is not coming back for a really long time. So you know, we're, we're okay. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're okay. And I, I agree with you on the stages of grief thing. I mean, I certainly, when we closed Wistia, we said, all right, we're going to close for a week. Yep. And then on next Friday, we're going to tell you we're going to be closed the next week. And we, right. uh, obviously the next Friday came and we said, actually, we can close for another two weeks. And I was like, actually, we can close for a month. And now we're going to close for two months. And we're in such a fortunate situation that people can work from home. Right. And yes. so I, I've never felt more fortunate for that than we do right now. But yeah, it's, it's, I, I found myself trying to be, you know, I'm a, such an optimist and I went into that mode of like, all right, we're going to get it. You know, we're going to crush this curve. We're going to come Me out. Too. There's going to be no more Me virus. Too. It's going to be scary, but it's going to be okay. It's going to take uh, two weeks to the peak and blah, blah, blah. And then I just right. kept, it kept getting worse and worse and worse. And you know, actually, I, I do you know about the Stockdale paradox? No. You heard that? General Stockdale is this guy who was a prisoner of war in Vietnam for seven years. And they asked him, like, basically, how did you survive that? And what he said is that he, he, there was a lot of optimists who were like, oh, we're going to get out by Thanksgiving. Oh, no, we didn't get out. Thanksgiving. We're going to get out by Christmas. So we didn't get, and then they, it kept, like, they kept, they kept getting disappointed, actually. Yep. And his approach was basically like a fundamental belief of survival. Like, I will survive this, but I just, but I, I have to be realist. And like, I don't yeah. know how long it's going to take. Yeah. And for me, it was like actually really trying to settle into the fact that like, I think it could be a basically until there's a vaccine, yep. it, life is going to be really, really weird and really bad. And I don't know when that's going to be. But it's, it's like the more I've gotten used to the idea, the easier it is to think about like 
to to start to look at the focus on the things I can control. I don't know if you feel the same way. We do. Uh, it, you know, I think a vaccine is honestly about a year away. Um, yeah. You know, I was just on a call with a group with the mayor uh, in Boston and the, some health and human services people, and they say it's about a year away. So for for everybody here, it's just trying to pivot. You know, that's the, the new word now. There's these new phrases everybody's using, new normal, which I'm not allowed to say at home, and then pivot, <laughs> which, you know, is just what we're doing. So every day is just trying to adapt. So tell me, so you closed the restaurant, um, you closed all the locations, yep. you had to furlough everybody, and then you actually decided we need to open up. Like right. that must have been a scary decision. Like how did how did that happen? Well, I think when we realized that this wasn't going to be a two or three week thing, um, we just started to look down into the future and we, we can't stay shut down forever. Um, we are allowed by the city to be open because we are an essential service because we make food. Um, and in order for our business to survive, we had to start doing what we do, which is make food and sell it to people. And I think, you know, some of the team have been a little bit worried as we've reopened. Some people are definitely nervous and we've, we have not had anybody come back that doesn't want to come back. We haven't told anybody you have to come back. But it's been uh, a business choice, you know, to because the right thing to do right now, supposedly, is everybody stay home. Just don't leave the house. But that's not that's not possible. That's not sustainable. Um, and for our no. business, it's certainly not possible. So we went from, oh, let's open up and just try to see if we can get a little bit of sales to very quickly realizing it was let's open up because we have to or else we will literally die. The business yeah. will die. And I think my message to the team, um, kind of to what you were saying, Chris, is like you're an eternal optimist. I am too. And I was sending out daily emails, which are now more like biweekly emails. And in every one of them, I'm like, we're going to, you know, we're going to come back. We're going to be great. It's going to be awesome. And now the tenor of that email has started to shift. And I worry that I've maybe been a little bit too optimistic to the team. I think some of them are still thinking, oh, great. You know, somebody just sent in a vacation request for um, Christmas, mm -hmm. and which is great in that mm -hmm. he was thinking ahead. But uh, we don't know if we'll have a position for this person in Christmas. And that's a really mm -hmm. tough thing to think about. Mm -hmm. um, so that's what we're dealing with. Well, so it's also, I mean, it's interesting because I, when you open back up, um, and you did, you've done a lot of different things that I've noticed and I probably yes. haven't seen everything, but like you've done the partner, the barbecue partnership, like you partnered yes. with a barbecue place, with right? Smoke and shop, right. With smoke shop. And we did that. It was awesome. But you, you got like a large box of barbecue and flower goods and all these things. And then I saw more pickup at flower that was like dinner style stuff. I was like, exactly. I don't think flower did this before. And then I saw more delivery and more locations start opening. Right. And then I start right. seeing you also have like a pantry now. Is that correct? Exactly. Yes. We just started to realize that people are minimizing trips going out. And if you're going to come to flower and get your lunch or your breakfast, um, then maybe you also want to pick up a quart of milk and a pound of butter and some eggs or whatever it is you might need at home. We started off flower pantry at our Clarendon street location and we're slowly adding bits and pieces of it to the other open locations. And we've added everything that you just said, you know, we're, we're partnering with smoke shop and doing pastry boxes. We're doing um, dinner 
specials, both large format. And so you can come and buy dinner for like four to eight people or just dinner for one. Um, we're doing a lot of make your own kits. So we have a make your own chocolate cream pie kit, bake your own scones, bake your own sticky buns, really trying to just capture anything and everything that people are interested in for flour or Myers and Chang. Do you deliver to Brooklyn? This is very important. I'm in Brooklyn and I, I just want to know, can it reach me here? <laughs> We re-engaged with William Sonoma. You can buy uh, bake your own sticky buns. You can buy a brunch sampler. Uh, you can make bake your own cookies, bake your own cinnamon rolls. There's a whole bunch of stuff on William Sonoma that we're shipping across the country. Amazing. And I don't mean to derail too much, but also as a as a New Yorker, I've never been to Flower, so I'm wondering, can you and Chris paint a picture of the Erie Street location? the one that's so near Wistia's office. Absolutely. Chris, you want to do it? You want me to do it? Yeah. I mean, basically, it's a very clean, modern environment. And there's always people working and chatting and like, very, it's very vibrant. It's a standalone building. And when you go to Flower, there's like the cold case of stuff. And it's really like the baked goods that are the center, the center of the show, right? Like it's like, cookies and scones and do you have like think you have like what's the do you have the morning cookies what are those things oh the breakfast cookies breakfast cookies yes and parfaits and stuff like that and then there's tons of sandwiches and salads and all that kind of stuff and you already had you actually funny because you had like you could pre-order your food at that location and they would put it on a shelf like organized by your name right because right. flower is always crazy busy yeah um, but you get these little flower hacks and then it makes it much easier, you know, like you can order at 11.45 and get a lunch at noon, which is like hard to do. Yeah. And from Wistia, it's like a three minute walk. So you just walk in, grab stuff. And did I miss anything? Yeah, no, that's great. Uh, and then we have the team that's, you know, they, they're excited to see everybody. They know everybody at Wistia. Just a really great crew. Just our goal is to try to make everybody's day a little bit better. So we try to do that with, you know, the food, the service, the atmosphere, everything. Yeah, it's awesome. So we're, you know, you, you've, turned on all this stuff that flower didn't do before yeah and you're using the word pivot a lot which is like a word in tech is like people love the word pivot like (laughs) oh it didn't work i guess you had to pivot um but it's interesting because i that's often like a venture-backed company that has raised money and they're trying to do a thing it's not working and then they pivot in your case it's like pivoting to survive right correct correct um but from the outside when i watch this i'm like some of this stuff feels like it's gonna stick like post pandemic like some of the stuff, the like dinner stuff, like I wonder to myself, like that, you know, we did the fried chicken, super good. Oh, cool. I I, th- I think that more people will want to do that. And I think so like, too. Because it's, there's also something about being in control of the pickup and you pick the time and all these things and you're kind of like organizing your day differently. Do you think that's going to happen? Like it, it's just, it, it's, and I, I know that I'm not on the inside and don't see the challenges that you're talking about of like, and that feel the uncertainty, but sometimes businesses, I don't know, like people will give me advice on Wistia that it seems so obvious, but I can't see it because I'm in it. You right. know what I mean? Right. And like, when I look at flower from the outside, I look at, I'm like, Wow. I, 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 I'm confident flower is going to do well throughout this and like figure it out versus I see a lot of other places that still have not reopened. Yeah. I look at that and I'm like, I don't know how they're going to make it. No, totally. Oh, I'm fully confident that we will, we will get through this and figure it out and end up thriving in the end. It's just going to be a really long, hard haul until we get there. But you're right. I think that what the pandemic has done for us is really prompted us to put into place 
initiatives that we've been thinking about for probably the last couple of years. We've been wanting to do dinners. We've been wanting to do these like fried chicken dinners and packages and things that people can take home because we know that that's where our, our strength is, is in making great food. And we've always been focused so much on breakfast and lunch. And the dinner market was one that we've been wanting to do and just never really had, you know, how it is. You, you've got so much so many other things to focus on, but now we've been forced to do this, which is uh, really helpful because it's kind of put into place things that we've been wanting to do for a while. So I think the dinners will definitely stick around. Cool. So this this podcast is called Talking Too Loud. And the reason it's called Talking Too Loud is because when I get excited about things, I I talk too loud. I've always talked too loud. <laughs> this is just like, I can't control it. Uh, it's a problem, especially <laughs> actually right now during this pandemic, when it's so quiet outside. I mean, yeah. it's ridiculous. Like I'm having conversations on my porch. And I'm like, I can't be saying these things. Like, <laughs> you know, it's just like confidential, wistia stuff. I'm just like, I, I'm just too excited. Right. Do you have... Um, a a any like when you get excited, is there something that you do, Joanne? When I get excited, um, I don't know that I'm a loud talker, but I'm a very like I move my hands around a lot and I talk really fast. Um, I think really fast. I'm also I'm a very, very thorough thinker. I need to turn over every stone. Um, and when I get excited, uh, I'm not always thinking as clearly as I should, meaning I'm not editing myself as much as I should. And so I tend to just talk a lot. And I'm, I'm fortunate in that I have people around me who are close to me to say, you got to stop. <laughs> you know, you're, <laughs> you're talking way too much and we don't understand what you're saying. But it's for me, especially during this time, there are just so many paths you can go down and so many roads. And I want to go down every single one of them and explore the what if and then move on to another one. And so it's a constant just, I don't talk loud. I talk too much. Got it. Do you, cool. feel, do you feel like that's like your your math brain? Like Possibly. Yes, mm. absolutely. It's like chess. You know, when you play chess and you can, if I do this, then this happens, then this happens. Or if I do this, for me, everything is that, like in the business, when I think about what we should do next. Like if we do this, then, and then every single possible permutation of that pops in my head. That's awesome. So, Joanne, you've written a bunch of books teaching people how to bake, teaching people how to cook. You also have built up like a social media presence for flour, but also yourself. Yep. And I've seen like your social media presence. I feel like you are putting more out into the world now than you ever have before. It's like a study in how to build a brand by bringing people behind the scenes right. and also making them feel more confident and safe. Like, you know, we talked about the bag thing earlier, but for those who don't know what this is, basically flour, when you get delivery, they're taking, you know, a bag that is closed and sealed and has stickers on it that says like, this is the internal bag. This is like the, this is the, and everything that was prepared, people had masks and gloves on. And then there's an external bag that's like given to the person who's delivering so that you as someone who's buying the food knows that your stuff is safe and where it came from. And when I saw that, I was like, first of all, this is genius because it's just, it's so differentiated right now. Instantly, yeah. it's this differentiated thing. And then all the behind the scenes, you're showing people in the kitchens, you're showing people doing baking, you're showing people and everyone has masks on, everyone has gloves yep. on. Yep. I think a lot of folks would benefit from being able to both have an idea like that, but then actually bring people into it. Like, did yeah. you just have that instinct to bring people in? Like, is that just who you are? Did you turn that on because of the pandemic? Like, or is that I, because I, I feel like I've seen just so much more 
And it is actually one of the things that becomes so differentiated in the world that we're in right yeah. now. It's just incredible marketing. Like, how'd you find your way to that? Well, I mean, for us, social media has always been a way just to kind of share um, not only what you can see on the counter, but kind of behind the scenes. That's one of my favorite things to do is when I'm in the production kitchen or when I'm in one of the bakeries to just kind of film video of the team at work. Uh, because it is so exciting. You know, I came from back of house. I'm a pastry chef by training and I love seeing what everybody's doing. And, and I wanted to share that. So we've always been all about sharing that. I do think that in the last couple of months, we have vastly increased our social media presence because we know that you are no longer coming into the bakery anymore. We used to be able to hit you over the head with all of our great pastries by just spending a lot of time making the pastry counter look great, knowing that when you walked in, you'd want one of everything. We can't do that anymore. So we realized that we have to get way more active in social media. Um, we actually hired a, a marketing consultant who has been a longtime flower fan, and she's been really, really great. And she's been, you know, saying we need to just do more and more of this. It feels, for me, sometimes it feels a little bit like over the top, in that I'm literally filming every time I go in and. I, I worry sometimes about giving too much content, but knowing like as a person who loves social media, just like following other people, I know that I'm not reading every single post, right? You can check it a couple times a day and you scroll through and some things catch your eye and some things don't. And so I think the argument is post a lot and people will catch what they want to when they come on. And so again, given that you can't actually see anything that's going on right now because you can't physically come in, that's my job is to show you everything that's behind the scenes. First of all, I don't think it's too much. It is it to me. It is feels like it is exactly right. But that's yeah. so obvious when you say it. But if, right. but from the outside, I'm not going anywhere, so I'm not saying, I'm not saying anything. <laughs> but it really does have that effect of like, oh well, should we get something else from there? What else should we get? Right. And you know, all these things that I know about that I was just about flowers is all from social, right? Like it's all from the stuff you've been putting out there. Like right. or I wouldn't know about all of these things. So it's definitely working. Um, cool. So keep it up. Awesome. And. And I also think it's like interesting because a lot of people have not been able to figure out how to market during this. Yeah. That's something that's come up. Um, we've got a lot of questions about it. Like, what is okay to say? What is not okay exactly. to say? Like, how do you think about putting those messages out to customers? I mean, I don't know that we've had a lot of, is this okay to say, or this is not okay to say. We are trying to share. So like what you said about how I take video of the team and they're all in masks and that's reassuring to the guests. That's that's absolutely great because I do want you to be reassured. But I think our perspective is that our our team, you know, they are they they are nervous. They um, come to work and they want to make sure they're six feet apart from everybody because nobody on the team wants to get it either. And so uh, we're just trying to, you know, we're, the, the team is protecting themselves. We just happen to show you what's going on. So we've never thought a lot about like, what should we be saying? We're really just trying to show the reality, which is we have a team of people who really want to make great food. They're also really nervous. And so we have to set up some really good protocols. As a consumer, you know, I've gotten a couple things delivered and I'm like, wow, this caviar driver is not wearing a mask or gloves or whatever. And so I look at whatever comes like it's radioactive and I don't really know what to do with it. So that's what kind of led us to say when when you get a delivery order from us, from an outside vendor, we're going to put everything inside with mask and gloves. The outside bag, we have no idea what's happened in that person's car. So 
you, the consumer, should just discard that bag, and then you can bring in the inside bag safely into your home, knowing that it's safe. So that's kind of the approach that we've taken, is just to share what we ourselves are feeling during this pandemic, and so that everybody knows kind of the reality of what we're, we're going through every day. What, what do you think is like your top priority when you're, when you're thinking about your staff, like in this moment? their safety. I mean, we've stopped allowing people to take public transportation right now because we don't know what the situation is on a bus or, you know, a subway car. And so we've we've actually rented some vans and we have shields and we have like those plastic things that that taxi cab drivers in Asia have, you know, around themselves. And so we're kind of doing everything we can um, to ensure their safety. You know, they're all coming to work. Um, and then as an equal concern is the people who are not working, are they doing okay? Like s- many of them get unemployment, but some of them don't. And so we've actually funded, actually Wistia very generously donated twice to the Employee Relief Fund. And we have been able to pay to, for the team that can't get unemployment benefits. We've been able to pay, give them a paycheck of some sort um, since we've closed which has been really, really great. Um, we tried to match what they would have gotten had they been able to apply for unemployment. So that's kind of our main concerns right now. That's awesome. I mean, I think you've got, it's, it's very clear that you all are working incredibly hard to take care yeah. of the people, yeah. um, which is also, again, it's one of those things like, I think we're heading towards a very strong trend of people buying from brands that they care about and whose values yeah. they believe in. And I think that it's just been, Accelerate is one of the many things that's been accelerated in this moment. Um, what advice do you have for other other restaurants um, and especially ones that have have not reopened? I mean, it's really tough. We've had to reconfigure physically all of the locations. Um, the the Erie Street location that you frequent, where you used to sit, is now a sandwich station. We physically wheeled out a sandwich station so that we could keep people apart from each other. Um, so for people who are trying to reopen, you know, I'll say the word again: you have to figure out how to pivot. You have to try to come up with things that you're known for and present them in a way that guests will want. To order them and you have to figure out how to do it with less staff. I mean, that's the, the hard reality is that until we can figure out this social distancing thing, until there's some sort of, you know, vaccine or there's herd immunity or whatever the thing is that out, that's out there, you know, restaurants thrive and survive based on volume. We need lots and lots of people coming through our doors. Um, in order to service those people, we need lots and lots of people in the kitchens and in the front of house. And so for anybody who's trying to open, this is why trying to come up with a way that you can present your product, but not rely on physically a lot of people coming through your doors is crucial or else, you know, this, there's been a lot said about how a lot of restaurants won't survive. It's not because they're not great restaurants and not, it's not because they don't have great people or they're not well run. It's because the model of restaurants is volume and we don't have that now. We can't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so your advice is you need to pivot and yeah. take care of your folks and change how you were, how you were doing that. Pivoting from, from there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nice segue, Chris. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yes. Uh, I, no, I didn't get a chat from my podcast expert about that. So <laughs> what, was your, what was your first restaurant job? 
My first restaurant job was at a restaurant called Biba in Boston. It was one of the top restaurants of the time. It was a four-star restaurant started by Lydia Shire, who's one of the um, top restaurateurs and chefs um, in Boston. And I was the bar food cook. I got hired to fry chicken wings and fries, you know, cheese sticks and all of that for the bar downstairs. Um, I did that for a couple of months. And then there was a position on the hotline that opened up. And so I moved on to that. I ended up staying there for about a year um, before I realized that I really preferred to be in pastry. And then I moved on to a bakery. And so what's your what's your favorite kitchen utensil? Um, I like this question. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite kitchen utensil, um, I think it's offset spatula. What does that mean? What do you have? What is that? It's a, gosh, I wish I had one here. It's a, oh, but I forgot. This isn't visual. An offset spatula is like a, it's, it's a spatula in which it goes down a little bit and then out. So it's not a straight spatula. It goes Uh, down and then hmm. out. Um, I think I know. I think I might have one. Yeah. So why you is that, prob- why is that so good? So you probably have a bigger, a wider one. An yeah, offset one is skinny. It's usually about an inch to an inch and a half wide. And it's long and then it's offset. And it's really, really helpful when you're um, frosting cakes because if you had just a straight spatula, when you try to frost the cake, your knuckles will hit the cake. But with an offset, you can Whoa. actually load your spatula with a lot of buttercream and then frost the cake and your knuckles won't get in the way because they are set above the actual paddle. So we use so that for... how do you for- eat the extra icing if you're toxic? <laughs> oh, we find other ways. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, I um, love what's that. What's your favorite thing on the flower menu? Uh, let's see. Uh, my favorite thing would probably be... Well, the thing I eat every day, banana bread or the double chocolate cookie, or the multi-grain sourdough. I mean, those are kind of the three things that I have every single day. Um, <laughs> I'm holding my cookie. heart like, <laughs> <laughs> I never knew you, pastries. That's the just chi- for breakfast. And then yeah, exactly. what, what do you have? Yeah. The chicken uh, avocado jicama sandwich is my favorite sandwich. Mm. Um, yeah, chocolate chip cookie, similar to the double chocolate cookie. Very, very good. Savage, do you have a favorite? A favorite from flour? Yeah. Um, my favorite is the chicken avocado jicama sandwich as a salad. Oh, wow. that's a good one. Yeah. Because I can basically eat that every single day and it's like nice. Feels feels guilt free to me and is delicious. That's awesome. Yeah. What what restaurants do you miss right now? What are you excited to get? What are you excited to do after this whole thing? In terms of restaurants, uh, we actually got takeout from one of our favorite restaurants that just reopened for takeout cafe sushi which is near you all at wistia as well it's so good they just reopened so we got um some sushi yesterday which was great i miss i miss a lot of uh of the restaurants that i used to work at that i now frequent and so i used to be the pastry chef of mistral and it's near the clarendon street location i miss going there and sitting at the bar and getting a pizza and wine and you know, sharing a salad or something. And then down the street from where we live, there's a, a restaurant called Ostra, which is a seafood restaurant that um, is also run by the person who, our friend who runs Mistral. I miss that restaurant too. So, I mean, I just miss being out in the world and seeing yeah. people and, you know. Yeah, not having to do Zooms we all, do. all day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. <laughs> like this. Like Sorry this. about that. <laughs> no, this was nice. This was nice. This was nice. This, <laughs> this is, is nice. nice. <laughs> There's a uh, restaurant in Chicago, Alenia. Yeah. And it seems like 
from following that what they're doing, they're like making more meals now than they were before. Are they really? Good for them. I believe so. I think they're doing like over a thousand meals a day or something. And so then it seems like actually they probably, they might be able to do a better, bigger business right? with like way more delivery. What happens if that happens to you? Like, and do you think that's going to be a thing? I do think so. I think a lot of people who weren't using delivery have experimented with it in the last two months, I think out of necessity. I think people have downloaded more, you know, of these delivery apps and everything. And I think now that people's comfort level is um, higher with delivery, even when things start to come back a little bit, I think it's going to be that much more natural and normal for us to just say, hey, let's not go out tonight. Let's just press this button and have the food brought in. Um, and I think Alinea has done a great, I didn't realize they were doing a thousand meals, but you know, they're that type of place that you needed to reserve a spot three months in advance. And now they are, you know, changing their business model to do as much volume as possible. And that's, you know, really smart of them. I wonder from the chef's point of view, how they feel about that, because it's tough. You know, we're putting everything at Myers and Chang, obviously, well, everything everywhere is in takeout, but Myers and Chang food is best served sitting there in the dining room. As soon as it comes off of the walk, we put it in a little box, we close the box. Then when it gets, you know, the box gets put into a bag, the bag sits there to wait for you to come at the time that you're supposed to come blah, 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 sits in your car. By the time you get home, it's like, that is not what we want to be serving. And so there's a little bit of every chef's heart that breaks every time we, we do this delivery thing. But, but at the end of the day, we need to, we need to survive. So that made me sad. Yes. So sad. <laughs> no, but that's, I mean, yeah, that's, it, well, it is it, sad, but it's, it's also, it's, it's very yeah. true. Yeah. yeah. So I think you once said that you dreamed of opening a place in Boston in which we make everything from scratch and give the best service ever. We'd be like the bakery version of Cheers. Is that right? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and who is your favorite character on Cheers? Um, Norm. Yes. Norm? <laughs> I, was, I really wanted you to say Norm. I yes. was hoping for Norm. Yes. I'm a Norm fan myself. He does like an enormous amount of voiceover work now, right? Oh, does he? I actually don't. I don't, I don't know what is he does right? now. Is that right? Enormous. I might have it it wrong. No, he does. He does. Uh, well, wait. Now I'm confusing. Now, now I'm I'm gonna back up. I think it's I think it's a what's his face. Oh my god. Oh, you have another favorite? No, no. Norm is my favorite, but the guy who does the voiceover work is um. Oh, Cliff. Yes, John John Ratzenberger, who is also on Cheers, has been. He is, I think, the only person to be in every single Pixar film. Oh my gosh! Wow. Wow. That's yeah, big. pretty impressive. So there is one other thing that um, I know you've talked about before. Is my understanding is that like you had eight locations and Myers and Chang, and you would go around and like kind of go to each location every day and taste things. Is that right? To make sure that the quality is high. Uh, I couldn't get to every location every day. I usually got to two or three. Um, always, always two, and then I tried for three. It just depended on the day. Tell me about the impetus behind that. I mean, for me, the main motivation is I really want to see the team. Um, I really want to physically like lay eyes on them, make eye contact, find out how they're doing, see what's selling, what's not, you know, any interesting information that our guests are giving us. I want them to know who I am and to understand what Flower is all about. You know, when you start with one location and you're physically there all day long, you have a sense of the spirit that you're giving off through your team because you're physically there looking at guests come in and get greeted and guests leaving and the food being prepared. You know, and as soon as you grow to multiple locations, you lose a little bit of that. And my main motivation is I want 
everybody who is working either in the kitchen or out front is representing me and the missions that we have. And so it's really important that they know where that comes from. And so sometimes I'll see something that maybe isn't baked properly, or I'll see a, an interaction that's not as, as great as I want it to be. And then I try to have a conversation with that person so that they understand my point of view. I mean, I recognize that by coming in, you know, the people who don't know me as well, they might be a little bit intimidated. And so I never, I never come in and just say, that's wrong. And that's baked wrong. You know, I really actually, what I try to do is create relationships with everybody so that at some point, if I need to give some feedback, it's not coming across as the big boss comes in and just yells at me all the time. And so I would like to think that 98% of my interactions with everybody is really just checking in and positive and how's your day and what's going on and I like your t-shirt and look at that great sandwich you made. And then that 2%, if something happens, you know, I was supposed to pull those from the oven, but I forgot to use the timer. And then I can like give them some helpful hints on how to remember to use the timer. So the quality control is less about like tasting every single thing. Although I do a visual kind of once over so that I can pull anything that looks way off to me. The quality control is more just about making sure that the, the team knows their importance in representing basically not just me, but everybody else at Flower. You know, every team member is representing everybody else on the team when they are baking, cooking, making your latte, packing up your order. Yeah, so it, that's awesome. I mean, it's basically like you're constantly giving people small amounts of praise and context based on the brand, right? I like exactly. what type of brand experience they're building, which also means because you've built up the trust, you can actually give them feedback when they need it versus Correct. coming in and telling everyone that all the stuff they made is shit. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> to put it simply. To put it simply. <laughs> Joanne, thank you so much for joining us today. Talking too loud, this is super fun. I'm rooting for you guys. So excited to see what you're doing as you pivoting constantly <laughs> and can't wait till we are out of this stupid pandemic and can actually go back into flowers and hang out. Yeah, we can't wait to see all of you. We miss you a lot. I love when she said, you know, I got delivery and I realized the person wasn't wearing a mask when they brought my food. And I was like, well, I guess we need to deal with this. And so she, her answer to that was like, I'm going to create a solution. Most people aren't doing that. They're not looking for it. It's like a good example of being it being your being a customer, being a customer of anyone's product and realizing like this can be better and then come up with a quick solution that makes it better for everyone. Yo, that's deep. Being being your own best customer makes you your own best. Finish that. I don't know what it makes you your own best. Yeah, no, being your own best customer, it gives you... I mean, we've actually... It's funny, but that exact language, we've used it with you for a long time. Because Shut up. You, yes, yes. Because oh when God. you do that, you end up... You can go to anyone inside the business and say like, what problems do you have with the product? How can we make it better? And you experience the problems yourself. It's so much easier to advocate for change and also to know what's going to make a great product when you're actually using it. Yeah. I think we have to stop now because I'm going to turn into a full-fledged Wistian. I am quoting Wistia back to you without yeah, we even have knowing to stop. it. And you, let's saying, be clear. Let's let's be clear from this <laughs> intro. You're not yeah, the co-host on this thing. Let's let's be clear. You're just somebody who's here who I've never met <laughs> you in person. You found me on the street. <laughs>
<laughs> just a podcast expert. <laughs> no, that's that's I like it. I like it. We've come very full circle, very full circle. And maybe, you know, one day she'll give me a great recipe for chicken thighs. Who knows? I think she just will. Say. That sounds like that's on the docket. Well, look, that's it for our first episode of Talking Too Loud. That was fun. We did it. We did it. We did it. Um, and we're going to have episodes coming out every other week, I think. Is that right, Sylvie? That's right. That's right. That's right. Wow. I've been paying attention. This is exciting. <laughs> this is exciting. Um, so if you like the show or if you love the show, please rate and review it. We want your feedback. Uh, we want to know what you like. We want to know what guests you want to hear from and topics you want us to cover. So just send all that feedback over. And we have a ton of other great content coming from Wistia Studios. So be on the lookout. There's, there's lots of new things coming soon. Talking Too Loud is brought to you by Wistia. Hosted by Chris Savage. Produced by me, Sylvie Lubau, along with Adam Day. Executive produced by Wistia Studios. This episode was mixed by Josh Solarski. Listen to Talking Too Loud wherever you listen to podcasts. And hey, rate and review us wherever you listen. And check out more content from Wistia Studios at wistia.com. <laughs>